Hey, welcome back to the Mankind Podcast. I am so excited about today because it is the first of many great things to come. We are going to be hearing from a good friend of mine, John Ng. John is one of the founding members and leaders at Just Packs Collective. They're a local group. They're helping organizations and teams really try to enter into the diversity, equality, and inclusion space. And I'm personally... I've gotten to watch John lead some of these groups, and he just does such an incredible job helping people from a diverse background and diverse stories and experiences come together and not just see each other, but also understand what they contribute and what they bring as a strength to the whole group. And so I'm really excited about him. Let's do this. Recording in progress. So You're going to cut this, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. There'll be a version okay. of this that's definitely edited down. But yeah. I'm going to munch down on this last morsel. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, we, we'll cut that part out. Don't worry. It's good to see you today. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me, Girdler. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Uh, this is uh, the first interview I've done. So I was going, who, who's going to be really gracious with me? <laughs> who's going to allow me to make a lot of mistakes and figure this out? And I was like, oh, John. And just, just for people who are listening, uh, John has uh, been a longtime friend. We've, we've known each other, been cheering each other on in our careers and our lives and just really things that we get passionate about. And so, uh, John, why don't you tell our audiences a little bit about yourself, kind of who you are and what gets you excited these days? Yeah, so um, I've got a lot of things running around. And I mean, I, I mean that both literally and figuratively right now. So I've got a six-week-old uh, along with a four-year-old. So the the home is a little bit crazy right now with a lot of diapers um, and things that escape the diaper, too, if you get my drift. Um, but yeah, it's been great just growing together as a family. We've had a lot of support from our community, from our friends. And so we're really grateful for that. And, you know, I also love just being able to serve our different communities. I serve as a pastor, but oftentimes I actually envision myself more as a community developer, really. That's um, kind of the the core of how I view even my role at, at times because it, it is about just serving those around us, right? Like serving uh, our different populations, our different community groups and, and people groups. So it's been great. Like as we've been rolling into the fall season, we've connected with a, a local middle school that we recently adopted officially slash unofficially. They actually said, you're adopting us. And we said, okay, I guess we are. Um, but, it, uh, you know, it, it just is one of those open door opportunities for us. And we're excited to come alongside the staff. They've been for years kind of under-resourced and um, we're looking forward to just finding ways to come, come alongside, not just the teachers and the admin, but also some of the, the communities, the kids that they serve and, and their families. And then um, what else? Shang-Chi. Have you, have you seen Shang-Chi yet, by the way? Uh, shamefully, I have not. Uh, we've just... It's okay. We're both in the same boat then, you know. It's, it's definitely high on my radar, but like just because we have the newborn, we haven't been able to make it out um, just due to 
all the things that we're trying to do just to, you know, serve communities, but also make sure that we're, we're in good health and good shape yeah. to be able to do that long-term. So, but I'm, I'm stoked about that movie. Uh, I, I've been really looking forward to it and it's been a long time coming. Uh, you know, oftentimes when it comes to movies in general, like Asians are, are kind of like almost just appetizers to the movie at best and then oftentimes it's we're more like the villainized role you know so i'm i'm really looking forward to actually seeing something on the big screen that actually you know has has a, a great amount of representation across the board and i've already heard great things so can't wait I don't know when I'm going to be able to see it, but yeah, because you, you got a media background too. Like you actually, you enjoy content and production. Like you have this whole other side of you, like you're a community builder, but you also kind of enjoy the media parts of, of, of making stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say most of my knowledge base is about a decade old, but I, I still enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy the struggle of trying to catch up to technology these days, but it is good to have some of that background. And yeah, I mean, to your point, storytelling and just being able to capture different angles of our humanity, I think it's just so important because we live in such a globalized world, right? And so we need to be interacting with different people, different stories and just backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. The main actor, Simi Liu, he's, I mean, he's been on a sitcom for a little while. And my wife and I have watched it in the past. So we're familiar with the name and, and what he brings to the big screen, so to speak. But I mean, we've never actually seen him as an actor on, on a movie screen, right? It's more just on our little phones or our devices. Um and, you know, just to have, again, like an Asian superhero in the Marvel kind of expanse of the, the universe. What is it that they call it? MCU, right? Um, it, it's, yeah, it's cool. They did a great job with Black Panther. And we just started following it, seeing, you know, who are they going to cast? And they've got Aquafina too. And, and, you know, like lots of, lots of people that, probably the everyday household may not be familiar with, but these are, you know, names that my wife and I have been familiar with for, for some time now. And I, I just even remember when, um, what was it? Crazy Rich Asians came out. Yeah. And that was a watershed moment for so many different Asian, Asian American communities, because it was like, Oh, this is an all Asian cast. Like we haven't seen this since, um, shoot. What was it? Joy Luck Club. I think. And that was probably in the eighties, mm. I want to say. Uh, so it's just, Hey, we're, we're venturing into new territory here, mm. but I love it because for me growing up, I never saw myself on the big screen. Right. Like I just, it was, it was yeah. like everybody who didn't look like me and did I still enjoy media? Sure. But it would have been great to have a couple, you know, people that I could say, Oh yeah, I see myself there. Yeah. Yeah, there's the story, like, I mean, we're talking about the story of Crazy Rich Asians or uh, Shang-Chi, like, and those are like the, the mini stories, but then there's the bigger story too that we're finding ourselves in as we follow actors and filmmakers and like the movie industry in general 
it's evolving in a lot of ways and changing yeah. some of the conversation. Now, I guess that, that kind of change, I'm going to shift gears and kind of hold on to that piece right there of like the, the, the conversation that culture is having and, and just shift to kind of, right. you're doing something that you're calling just packs. Mm-hmm. And if you could uh, unpack that for us, uh, <laughs> uh, that was a yeah, terrible pun. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we'll roll with it, though. But if you could, yeah, if you could unpack that for us, uh, <laughs> what is just packs? What are you doing with it? And kind of what what's the problem in the world that you guys are stepping into? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just packs collective really came about. Um, I think as a creative response to a lot of the um, longstanding racialized issues that we've had in our country and in our communities. And and really all of it, I think, came to almost this, um, I guess you could call it a a powder keg moment, right? Like there was a lot of pent up frustration and energy that was building over the years. And then when George Floyd when he was murdered and, and killed by the police back in May of 2020 in Minneapolis, you could just sense, right? Like something happened within our national consciousness. I, w- I would even say worldwide consciousness uh, around racial injustice and what it looks like for us to engage in our common humanity. How do we even understand that? Um, how do we have conversations about accountability and equity and, and justice? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was around that time where, you know, my phone just started ringing a lot more. Like I, I would have conversations here and there with people about some of these issues and, and, you know, like had a lot of great friends and leaders who knew that I was invested in this work. But after George Floyd, it, it just kind of like ballooned up in terms of like hmm. these these reach outs, John, we need help. We don't know where to start. Can you, can you give us a few of your minutes? And I was always happy to do that, but at some point it got to the level where I I can't handle the amount of people reaching out anymore. And so, yeah, I, I never actually had the thought or the intention to start up, uh, a collective like this, right? We're a consulting group that really focuses on helping people to become redeemed peacemakers and, you know, become champions, advocates for justice. But it it was never actually a part of my, my game plan or my life plan, but it was out of this need that we really saw, you know, like people genuinely trying to wrestle. And there were moments where we had to question, okay, how sincere is this? Because there is always the well, let's just jump on the bandwagon. Everybody's doing it. You need to show that we care. Yeah. But um, even pushing past that initial sense, like, yeah, what I did discover was like a lot of people really having their hearts pricked and recognizing maybe for a long time, I've had a blind spot. Maybe I haven't, haven't actually seen this in a way that has been helpful for not just me and my community or my family, but for all people around. So Anyway, we um, we started rolling from there. I actually reached out to a couple of good friends of mine, uh, Lisa and Shed, and just said, hey, like, are you guys getting the same sense right now? And eventually we said, hey, let's get together and form a little trio. Um, we came up with the name Just Packs Collective. It took us a while, but just uh, obviously referencing justice, right? Yeah. And then Pax is from, it, it's a callback to Latin. I don't know if you took Latin back in the day, but I did. 
that was probably one of the only words that I remembered. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pax means peace, right? Yeah. So it's justice and peace. And we tagged it with this idea of the collective because really we believe that this work is done best when we all bring our skills and our backgrounds, our experience and our expertise mm. to the table. Uh, it's in mutuality that we do it together and we're always learning, right? So yeah. we don't necessarily call ourselves fully formed experts. We, we'd say, hey, we, we've done this work for some time and we're committed to continuing to learn because I think there's just so much when it comes to understanding the nuances that you got to keep on learning, right? Like the moment that you stop, I think that's when yeah. we start going back to the places where we, we wanted to avoid in the first place, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and like we were saying earlier, the culture is shifting and not that, not that values change with the culture, but the conversation changes. Right. 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 You know, there's, there's nothing that there's always something to, to be fixed. So, you know, like you have a house, I have a house. There's always something that's breaking mm-hmm. that we got to turn our attention to and go, okay, last week I was trying to figure out how to be an electrician. Now I'm trying to figure out how to be a plumber. Like yeah. we got to deal with this now. What's some of the challenges you come up against in that work? Cause there's, there's people who want it until they realize what it takes. And there's right, some people who probably right. have, I'm just curious, what, what do you come up against as you start, as you step into that work? Yeah. Oh, I mentioned some of it earlier. I think there's this level of blindness that all of us have, especially if you haven't experienced the the kind of injustice, for example, that perhaps our black brothers and our black sisters have experienced over time, you know, and we just don't have the same lived experiences. So we, we situate ourselves and we center ourselves exactly where we are. It's actually what all humans do. You make sense of, your context and and what your surroundings dictate, right? Then it it becomes very difficult to make sense of it because the narratives actually conflict, right? Like, well, for my community, the police have always been the good guys, right? But maybe for another person's community, it's a lot more convoluted. It's a lot more complicated, you know? So if you've never experienced uh, police potentially like pulling you over for no good reason, well, the only narrative that you have for police is they're always the good guys. They're the mm-hmm. people that we can trust, you know, but you flip the script a little bit and maybe you're a part of a community that has the opposite kind of experience for one mm-hmm. reason or another. And it's, it's also, I think, very difficult because like we all know people, friends of ours, I've got friends myself who are cops, you know, and so we tend to be protective of those who are in our inner circles, you know. So I think that oftentimes becomes an issue for, for so many as well, because um, in our intention of uh, actually like protecting and, and doing what we feel is best, right? Like, well, I don't want anybody to be thrown underneath the bus, yeah. right? We, we actually lock ourselves from having helpful, engaging dialogues and places where we can learn, where we can be challenged. Um, and it, it's difficult too, I think, especially for those who, you know, really, I'm an immigrant, right? So I, I actually come with this unique perspective of, okay, like I can, I fully appreciate my, my parents' heritage and background, but I also really love America, mm. right? I grew up here in the States and, right, I'm, I'm very much almost like a bicultural product of my, of my worlds. 
But for many, and I don't know your background and how how connected you are to heritage and roots and all that, but like you go four or five generations removed, oftentimes those pieces of history get lost, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes if you're a part of the majority white context, so to speak, right? Like it almost gets whitewashed into, well, we're just Americans, right? And mm-hmm. um, this is our culture. This is our heritage. If we can even say that. Right. Like I know a lot of people who might even say, well, I don't have a culture. I'm just American. Right. And so then when you have somebody saying, well, there might be some issues here in our nation that we need to address. But you're let's say you're a huge patriot. Right. And you love our country. I love our country. Right. But there's there's a difficulty sometimes when nationalism gets in front of our, I think our love for truth, right? Mm. Not just our own version of truth. Um, But one of the things that I love, uh, and it's been said by many people in in different ways, but James Baldwin back in the day, he said this about America. He said, I love America more than any other country in the world. Mm. Exactly for that reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. Mm. Right? And I think there's a there's a truth there that we have to wrestle with, you know, like when we only view our country as the biggest and the best and the brightest, and that's our only way of viewing our country. I think, again, we we almost like succumb without even knowing to this false notion that we're perfect. Right. Well, no nation out there is perfect, you know. Yeah. And no community out there is perfect. And I, I think oftentimes if we're unwilling to see the the thing that's underneath the rug, then it, it kind of stops the conversation. So I think that's a big challenge, you know, um, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. You're definitely having to hold the both and like, yeah. yes, this is the greatest country in the world. And yes, there's, there's room to do better. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And even that, even that phrase, the greatest country ever, right? Like, yeah. is it? Do I love America? Yes. Is there a place for us to recognize sometimes that we may not be the greatest in some areas and that's okay. Right? Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect country. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, I could, man, there's so many rabbit trails we could go down right there. Um, wow. A few of the challenges, no, no big deal. We could, but those are just a few of the challenges, man. Like this work is difficult and I mean, I'm, I'm talking pretty high level. I'll, I'll name another one real quick. Like, I think, yes, we've been talking about it at, at a pretty broad level in terms of like systems and, and peoples. But I think personally, even for myself, sometimes the the barrier is, am I willing to see that I may have racist tendencies, right? This is a huge lightning rod issue for so many people because the moment that you say the R word, people run yeah. because they don't, they don't want to be identified as a racist. Right. Yeah. That's not, that's not cool. Yeah. That's up there with, with Nazis and right. Right. And other evil things, you know? Totally. Yeah. So nobody wants to be associated that way and I get it. So like, if I even come near the accusation of being a racist, I'm going to put up my arms and fight against it. You know, fists yeah. are up. Let's get to let's get to business because like that's not who I am. That's not mm. my 
sense of identity or self-understanding. But I think one of the biggest things that helps us to break through that barrier is just to, again, recognize, you know what, we all struggle sometimes with reading things the wrong way, right? Perhaps actually having a racist type ideology or even a thought. Um, and, And to almost like, put it on more of an equal playing ground. Uh, I'll put it this way, like sociologists have studied this, psychologists have studied this too, but when it comes to our our way of organizing ideas and information, right? Like our mm-hmm. brain is an incredible, super, super computer, right? And yet it still has some of these glitches because the only way that I can organize things in this world is I have to create categories, right? My brain does that naturally. So I know that an apple is a fruit, right? Um, That's a category, right? And it helps me to organize and make sense of this world. The same is true of like people, you know, like we organize our world and our self understandings that way. Like, so I know that when I drive up to, let's say a, a Starbucks, there's a barista, right? Well, baristas always seem to have these head headphones on them. So like, okay, when whenever I drive up and I see them, oh, they're probably working the drive-through. So if I'm in the, you know, in the store, then I know I'm not going to talk to the person with the headphone, maybe like I'm, yeah. I'm talking with the one with the earpiece instead, right? Yeah, so, we're making quick, like we're brains yeah. processing a lot of information, categorizing exactly. it so we can move forward quickly with exactly, exactly. how best to do this. And sometimes because we do that, we short circuit some of the information processing, you mm-hmm. know, and it can lead to places of misunderstanding and sometimes wrong readouts of each other and people groups. And yeah, anyway, um, don't want talking- to go down all the rabbit trails, but you get my drift. Yeah, yeah you I get know, your like, drift. You got to be well, able to second guess. And there's a lot of people, and maybe this is because the national conversation uh, hangs out here. You're working in a very diverse part of our town and part of Austin and working with a lot of different people. And so when you're talking about some of these things you're coming up against, it's not just, it's not just white people that you're having these kind of conversations of like, what are the presumptions and assumptions you're, you're bringing into the collective conversation? You're having it with people of all kinds of different backgrounds. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. like, I'm curious as you're going through that, how are you managing all that's a lot of conflict yeah like you're bringing up a lot of stuff for people that you're like and so what's kind of i'm curious how how do you get people to start looking in the mirror you know it's i'm kind of leaning on michael jackson's you know i'm starting with the man in the mirror but like how are you <laughs> helping people do that because a lot of people think i th- yeah I, I i go man i'm making good decisions today because i i know why i'm making them and I had a conversation with you, John, and you said I had some stuff to work on. You know, you're not starting with, I think you might have some racist, racial tendencies because you know that that brings up the fists, but like, you know, our defense is picking, but how, how do you start that conversation to get somebody looking at themselves? Well, I mean, even what we're doing here today is great. You know, just having dialogue that's open, let's hear each other out, right? And mm-hmm. there are some places where, I I didn't I don't know exactly what you meant there. Let's let's talk about it. Ask me about it, or I'll ask you about it. Um, I think in in so many ways we've lost the art of neighboring. We've mm. lost the art of conversation, and um, some of it 
I might sound like old Scrooge here, a little bit of an old man tendency, but I, I do think our social media contributes to it because mm. I mean, they literally run your feeds off of algorithms that just keep on feeding you whatever you like. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you too. Do you think, do you think the stakes are higher? I do. Um, but what do you mean by that question too? Like uh, higher than what? High, I guess higher than they used to be. Uh-huh. There's a whole history we could go into of like, but America is becoming a more diverse country. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> there's more conversation. There's more, uh, my assumptions butting up against somebody else's assumptions, you know, just in the day to day of yeah. life. Yeah. I can't, I can't assume that my, my, my community is not as homogenous as it used to be. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so as we bump up against stuff, we're seeing things like cancel culture. Mm-hmm. We're seeing things like you said, mentioned so, uh, social media. So that you talked about the art of neighboring, and I go, yeah, there used to be. It seems like there used to be a lot more grace, and it seems like now that if I get this statement wrong, it could go on social media and be posted somewhere. And I, I use a quick example, like we some, you know, I work in media. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes we do man on the street videos, mm-hmm. and it used to be easy to go down and just be like. Hey, just curious, what do you think about this topic? And people will be like, well, here's what I think. I did one recently last summer, and I was shocked how many people were, were unwilling to share their thoughts. Not because they were afraid of me, but there was this, I don't want this getting out there. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, that's where I kind of ask the question is, do you think the stakes are higher and people need to be more guarded, which kind of defeats conversation it defeats neighboring it defeats other things i'm just curious yeah i don't know if people need to be more guarded i think people are more guarded i think that's our context and our reality you know and some of it is this world that we live in we've we've all accepted the fact that yeah we have social media accounts and you can cancel them or not you know but yeah it's still a part of our world um i think there's there's also the reality that if something does go viral in the negative for you, it's usually not a good thing, right? So you do want to avoid that. Um, and, and so I get it. Like people are probably a little bit more cautious, a little bit more guarded about those types of things. And the labeling, like you talked about, we categorize things. Like yeah. I, I don't want you to put me in a box based on one statement. Right, right. And that seems to be how we're yeah we're dealing with, with stuff. Yeah, but I, I do think like, it might just start with small changes. I think oftentimes it starts with small changes. And when we talk about things like neighboring with one another, well, what if we just, let's put away our phones during the coffee hangout or the dinner conversation. Let's just stack them all on the table, right? Mm. Put it on airplane mode and let's actually talk, you know? Um, Because truthfully, a lot of our kids these days, when they go to the lunchrooms, that's what engagement looks like. It's, Let me take out my phone. We'll sit together, but we're going to be on our media, right? And if there is interaction, it's about something that we see in front of us, you know, like, oh, check out this quick little video from TikTok or or what have you, you know? Um, So it's all driven by something that has already captivated our, our imagination and our attention. So I do think sometimes it might just be, making intentional choices. Okay. Like how do I turn things off? Um, Mm. How do I actually sit and see the other person fully and engage him or her, you know, where they're at and allow them to do the same, to be known and to also to know the other. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point about like actually seeing one another, putting away some of the things that are influencing us in our conversations, even in the media. I mean, you and I sitting down here have both put our phones on airplane mode, have put them off to the side so that- At least we think we have, right? <laughs> I'm assuming. Let's check that real quick. Yeah. Oh, wait, I did. Dude. Wait. Uh. <laughs> so you're obviously in a very big, heavy kind of work. Um, how are you measuring success for what you guys are doing? Is it, is it how often you guys get invited into help people through these kind of awareness situations or like, how, how are you guys kind of as a collective going I mean, we're seeing the ball, we're, we're moving the ball down the field. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is it appropriate to use a football metaphor there? I don't know. How do you, yeah. Hey, it works. It works. I, I get where you come from. Um, I, I think success is, is probably going to be a bit different with every organization, every community. I think for us overall, and, and I love some of what you're after in this podcast. I mean, you're, you're really zeroing in on empathy and kindness and how do we push those things forward in our lives, in our communities, our society at large. Yeah. And I think those are big markers of success. You know, if we can take a, a group of leaders within an organization with all different types of political backgrounds, life stories, and say, hey, let's journey together over the next six to eight weeks mm -hmm. around some content that's going to be really challenging, that might ruffle some of your feathers, but let's actually stay together and do this work together because it's worthwhile. Um, it'll actually help us to become more globalized, you know, empathetic type citizens. Yeah. And I think it'll help us push forward in, in terms of challenging our own assumptions, you know, and seeing maybe with new eyes instead of just allowing the blinders to be there perpetually, right? Yeah. So I, I do think empathy and kindness, again, like those are difficult to measure, but there are things that you can do, you know, like yeah. um, one of the markers of success for us when it comes to working with especially like organizations that do have systems and structures is on the back end, have we actually produced anything that allows this work to continue forward in a, in actually a structured way? Yeah. Uh, it sounds kind of nerdy, but that means we're going to put things like maybe we'll, we'll craft a role around this, or maybe we're going to craft, you know, a group of individuals within our company to say, Hey, let's continue to push this work forward and make it a part of a, a learning group, yeah. a, a cohort, you know, um, or, or maybe we have a task force, you know, like those type of things, or, or maybe we're just going to, we're going to put some money uh, where our mouth is, you know, mm -hmm. and actually find a partner around the community that we can support, you know? So I think those are, are big markers of success too, outside of just the individual transformation that happens. But the other one that I would say is just helping people to understand that you know, it's not always a, a black, black and white, right or wrong type thing, but it's just different. You know, yeah. um, there are some things that are very much like, okay, this is a, a line in the sand, you know, but there's also a lot of gray in this world and helping people to understand like, well, just because my lived experience is different from yours, it doesn't mean you're wrong or I'm right. You know, I go mm -hmm. back to that, that conversation we had earlier about the police, right? Like, I mean, if we only have one narrative of the police, it's going to be very narrow, you know? Yeah. Are they still sworn to protect us? Yeah. Um, but I think once we begin to see 
some of the cracks within history, right? And it doesn't take long, right? Like just do your own research. Um, there are some massive cracks. We have to address them then, right? And actually that, yeah. that means you're coming alongside of our police community and actually advancing their work forward. You're not actually anti-police. You're, you're coming alongside as a vested community member. We pay taxes for our police department, you know? So let's be about the best police department, Yeah, you know? Let's, let's honor them too, right? Like we got to honor them, encourage them Yeah, where they are doing really good work. Yeah. We got, we got some good friends that are police officers and, and you and I both want to, I know where we're coming from is like, man, I want to see them supported. And this is a terrible season to be a, a police officer. It's got to be so hard and so convoluted and difficult. And so wanting, wanting the best for them and wanting the best police department for them to feel supported, cared for, uh, and empowered to do their jobs well, which is helping others, right? right? Right, And for our communities to feel safe and cared for on the other side yeah, of it. Too, right? Yeah, So it's, it's, yeah, it's exactly what we're talking about. What's, I mean, because you're, you're talking about some pretty heavy topics. I imagine you get some, a lot of conflict. And, you know, my personality type is the one that's like, I hate conflict. I'm trying to learn more about it uh, and lean into it more. But how do you... And this kind of even goes to the nature of this podcast. Like, how are you using tools in your your belt, whether you know emotional intelligence and empathy, kindness, what have you? How are you do that to kind of I don't want to say disarm. It's not about disarming somebody with a lot who's coming in with conflict, but how do you deal with conflict as it's coming up? Uh, how do you deal with conflict? What a great question. I mean, if we, if we could come up with a pithy way of saying it in two sentences, I think we'd have a gold mine, right? Yeah. Like, we'd sell a book <laughs> or, or five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a short answer for that. I, I think you're hitting at the heart or the crux of the issue and the need. Is conflict bad? I don't think conflict is bad. I, in fact, uh, I think at times it can be a very productive and good thing for us to engage. Um, if we're always conflict avoidant, then we, we at times either avoid truth that needs to be said, or we do an injustice to the person in front of us or, or even to ourselves, right? Like we, we might actually be dehumanizing ourselves because we're allowing certain things to happen in our world or to us or to others that actually need to be changed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think in those moments, we actually have to do something, say something. We do a bystander training. Um, and that's, that's exactly what we train on. You know, like if you've never heard of a bystander intervention training, it, it really is what it sounds like. You are witness to some sort of injustice or violence that is happening to another person and you happen to be in that environment, in that context, right? Mm. You're not being directly impacted, but you're seeing another person being directly impacted in a very negative way. So what do we do, right? I mean, if you, if you choose not to engage that conflict at all, even though you're not a part of the directness of it, that says something, right? Another way of putting it is your, your silence or your inaction is actually violence mm. because you're witnessing violence happen to another person who has the exact same kind of human dignity and worth as you do. Mm. 
they're allowing it to be trampled by not saying something, not doing something. So I do think there are times where we have to engage it, you know, for the sake of our neighbor, but for the sake of our shared humanity, because, you know, our actions are always saying something. Yeah. When you have violence happening in front of you and you don't do anything, you actually say this is okay. That That's kind of a message that we're saying out to the world. That violence is okay and I, I don't mind it. Or maybe I even, I like the violence, you know? And I don't think most of us believe that. Um, but unfortunately that's what gets translated, you know? Um, and, yeah. you know, psychologists have also talked about the bystander effect, right? Like when, when something happens in a group, it's much easier for people to kind of just say, well, somebody else will take care of it, right? I mean, let's take violence out of the, the conversation for a second. Let's just say um, you're in the grocery store and, I don't know, somebody on the other side of the aisle is really trying to grab the cereal box on the top. They can't quite reach it, so they wiggle the uh, the what do you call it um, stands and the shelves and Shelf. everything a couple times over, yeah. and they finally get their their cereal box. But on the other side, right, you you see, let's say, a glass jar or two actually drop to the, to the floor, and it crashes. The whole thing shatters, and there's ketchup all over the floor now, right? And you know, there's maybe about ten other people on that same aisle, there's a, there's a tendency sometimes to look around and say, well, one of the 10 will say something. So I'm not, and then you just walk away. But then the other nine people walk away too. And yeah. nobody said anything, nobody's done anything. And, and so like the, the mess just remains, you know? Yeah. Or even, or even, I mean, we talked about taking violence out of it. I, I remember, I remember somebody sharing a similar story of, uh, of somebody drowning in a pool full of people. Mm -hmm. And the idea was like, everybody's like, well, somebody, if there was a real emergency, somebody would be doing something, but nobody did anything. And it was this idea of like, everybody kind of took a, a pulse on the, on the emotions around that. Yeah. And this person ended up drowning in, in, in a pool full of people. Oh, wow. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody thought, everybody thought somebody else will right. say something if something's going on. Right. Or my phone so, might get wet or I don't want to, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, and I'm, so again, we were talking about neighboring and, and, and cult, you know, the amount of information we're absorbing is insane. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, it's been, it's 2020, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And the amount of things we're seeing, I, I guess this is my question for you is like, we're so exposed in part to, you know, news and media which is trying to inform, yeah. you know, it's a good system for informing us of everything going on all the time, but we're taking in so much information. How do, how does someone know what they should be stepping into, mm -hmm. you know, which causes, I mean, we're talking hurricanes and, and right, right. wars and race and division and politics. I mean, there's so many different avenues for things like, I get overwhelmed to the point where I do exactly what you said. I look around, I go, well, I don't know what to do. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that's where, I mean, I don't, again, no simple answers here, but no. for me, when I hear you say that, I think there's a couple of things that pop to mind. One is I, I have to do it in community. It's not mm -hmm. me. Um, 
me, my, myself and I will not work here. You know, yeah. like we need to be in, in partnership with one another. We have to have communities that actually, you know, venture into this world and, you know, choose to usher in hope and choose to learn from each other and engage um, sometimes the difficult versions of our stories, you know? Mm. I think the other, the other part of it is to also learn to exercise a, a kind of wisdom as you engage, right? Like we all digest media, but what kind of media are you digesting? Are you able to hear from the other side whatever that side might be. I think one of the best practices that I've heard recently, and some people might not like this, but the truth is like, if you're only hearing from one outlet, you know, uh, unfortunately the outlets have become very polarized, you know? Um, and I, I found it to be a helpful exercise every once in a while just to say, okay, like here's a, here's a really big topic. Let me just hear from the other side. What, what are they saying? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and try to do my own research, even outside of what both sides might be saying, you yeah. know? Well, and I, I know, I know for me too, if I have somebody who has a very strong opinion that I don't agree with, I've actually reached out to people and said, Hey, I'm curious, what, what do you recommend I go listen to, to find out more about this? Yeah, that's good. That's hard because <laughs> I may listen to it and go, I don't fully agree. Right, right. And, and I, you know, but, but there's just an honest conversation. Like, I actually want to learn more about this. Right, and so, curiosity. Yeah, curiosity. Mm -hmm. You seem to have a very different set of, of data points than I do. I'm curious, can you, can you share it? Not, not send it to me so I can criticize you, but can right. you send it to me so I can learn? Yep. Um, yep. I, I find people are more open to, like, sharing and divulging their resources. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. When that happens. Um, so... Man, that's a great place, I think, that shares, like, it kind of encapsulates your heart and what you're doing and the work that you're doing of really trying to raise, I think, just love for one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that that doesn't come by putting people in a box. That's, like, you're trying to, in some ways, like, take the category, categorizing that we're doing down while not devaluing its usefulness and, like, quickly assessing information, but going, all right, let's let's take some of these boxes and expand them. Yeah. So, so it's more a bigger sense of community. Yeah. That's so who's, who's doing work like you that you, you would say, Hey, you should go check out these people and what they're doing over here. Yeah. Uh, there's a long list. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name every single one out there, but I mean, you start somewhere for bridge building. That's really focused on justice and reconciliation and truth telling Latasha Morrison from Be the Bridge. Uh, she's doing some great work. Good friend of mine too, and she she actually creates different groups where you can engage and learn together all around the nation, actually. So, and then have you heard of Dr. Bernice King? No. Daughter of MLK Jr. and uh, she's doing some great work uh, through the King Center. You can find that, of course, just Google King Center. Um, there's a lot of opportunities online and also in person. And some more kind of like local efforts. I'd, I'd say Emlyn Lee with Brave Communities here in Austin. She does some great work with just empowering young women to really have an understanding of some of our systems that are at play here in Austin and also around our world. How do you exercise your voice? Um, 
how do you lead as a woman? Yeah. yeah. And then Marcy Elvis Walker. Yeah. Black coffee with white friends. Uh, yeah. he and I are actually doing kind of like a, a fun little project called black eyed Bible study too. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. That's, that's been yeah. a fun little thing. And, um, you can find out more on her Substack, black eyed, uh, black eyed Bible study. And then if you want to follow her on IG, it's black coffee with white friends. Yeah. She, she's one of the a few people who, who really encouraged me to start this podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. and for a lot of reasons, we're doing this uh, because of the encouragement that she gave me into starting something like this. That's awesome. Yeah. If somebody wanted to learn more, find out more, get involved with kind of the work you're doing, uh, where would they go? Um, our website is always there as a good landing point. So that's justpaxcollective.com, right? J-U-S-T-P-A-X, collective, just like it sounds, .com. Yeah, uh, and we'll have that in the show notes. Yeah, and then you can also find us on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, just follow some of our work. But we love working with leaders and different organizations, nonprofits, business leaders, and it's been really engaging work. It's been fruitful and we're excited for anyone that we get to come alongside. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, last question, because I'm always trying to figure out how to, how to increase the network and hear more stories of men who are changing the world with kindness. Uh, who do you think we should have on the show next? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't actually think about that one. And you know, I'm an introvert, so now I might have to say, Come back at me on that, but I think I'm, gonna have, I think I'm just going to have to ping you. Um, no worries. I'll look forward to it. But yeah. whoever you ping me with, we'll have them on soon. I just realized I named everybody um, earlier and they're all women. So <laughs> women are really well, leading I mean, the way for we, us, but yeah, there are more men, right? great work at the same time. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, just, um, you know what, there's a... Um, I haven't met this guy yet, but I think his name is Sherwin Patton. I want to say he's a friend of a friend and he leads life anew, which is a, a lot of restorative work, restorative justice work. They've been in, in Austin for mm. a very, very long time. And they've done some great community work, even with the police, you know? Um, mm. So yeah. he's one guy that I, I'd probably say, even though we haven't met, I've just known his work, support his work. Um, and I think he might be a good, good person to reach out to. He will. And if I come up with some more, I'll let you know. That sounds good. Well, hey, I've loved having you here today, John. Uh, I know you got more stuff to get to, but um, man, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing. For sure. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Kind of chopping it up a little bit today. There you go. There you go. Love it. Man, love that conversation with John. Just love that guy. He's doing awesome work. And again, if you want to, you can connect with him online at at Just Packs Collective. That's at J-U-S-T-P-A-X Collective. So you can find him there. And here's the challenge I want to leave us with at the end of today. You know, there's so many great organizations around the world who are really stepping into this DEI space and trying to help bring communities, groups, teams, organizations together. We have to live and work together despite our differences and our experiences. So why don't you look some up in your area and see how you can get involved. That's a great next step for each of us to take. 
and uh, just find out how you can support them. Maybe not jumping in in body, but whatever you can do to support the work of people who are trying to gather together and really overcome differences is great work to be part of. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We got another guest coming up in a couple episodes. I'm excited about hearing from him and you are not going to want to miss out. We'll see you next time on the Mankind Podcast. Mankind.